welcome to Channel KRT, the podcast with the guest star. The podcast with the guest star. Guest starring Micah. Hello there. Hi, I'm Kitdom of the Sun, Kit <laughs> Quinn, aka. I'm Tyler Green, and I am so glad to finally have an output to share my parody of Motorhead's Ace of Spades about the entirety of David Spade's career. You should do that, for real. <laughs> David Spade! Alright, so, you know him from his animations of podcasts, including ours, on the YouTube channel Fire Blast Studios. You know him from his podcast, The Emperor's New Podcast. Please welcome our guest star, Micah Hirsch. Yay! Insert funny line here. Yeah, for those who don't know, we are talking about what else but The Emperor's New School today. So, yeah, yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, What is everybody's relationship with the show, starting with Kit? So, Randy and I were actually previously on an episode of The Emperor's New Podcast with Micah. We joined him for the episode The Emperor's New Pet, as well as Unfit to Print. And if I can interject real quick, I was actually going to be on that episode too, but then I got like really swamped with editing work. It was when we were editing the Back to the Future episode, and there were just a bunch of audio glitches that I had to fix. Mm. Uh, only one of them still ended up being there, so it was... I guess worth it, but M- Micah, I'm glad I can make it up to you by being here today, so. Oh god, Marty messed with the timeline. That's why I was getting all glitchy. I think my audio comes in as an SCP, so <laughs> everyone listening to this right now, if a guy comes to your house and hands you a random pill, just take it. So anyway, so Randy and I were on that episode, so we went over a little bit of our history, so I'll try to keep mine to a minimum. So, uh, like I said, I've been a big fan of the movie my whole life. I saw it in theaters when it first came out. I owned it on VHS back when that was a thing. It was a movie that my dad and I especially bonded over. Like, it was just his Disney movie overall. Like, he just fucking loved it. And then I remember that, surprisingly, I didn't really watch The Emperor new school i'm not really sure why because i was watching disney channel but it was kind of because i was more of a cartoon network and nickelodeon kid i remember that i was kind of back and forth back and forth i was like yeah disney channel's the mostly live action one live actions is boring <laughs> but anyway so then so i catch the emperor's new school um like in little clips and bits and pieces and what i saw was pretty solid especially for the previews it was kind of the bridge to the early aughts of Disney animation and how they were still kind of finding their footing and also a bridge to the beginning of shows like Phineas and Ferb and Gravity Falls kind of like the pipeline to we're going to finally allow there to be a lot more creative freedom so I'd say this was a pretty good bridge between that period yeah one thing I noticed about this show is that it seems to share a lot of humor with Phineas and Ferb and just how random and wacky it is, and it kind of does a good job of mirroring the movie at times, I think. Which, by the way, uh, I'll get into my history real quick with it. I actually haven't seen the movie until recently. I've known all about it for years. I saw the trailers, knew all the quotes from that, but I actually never got the chance to see it just because I just never had the chance. I don't know what happened, why I never came across it. It's never too late to start. (laughs) Damn right, yeah. After Tony did his episode that Mike had got a whole bunch of shout outs on thanks to that <laughs> it just timed perfectly with us doing this episode i watched it for the first time uh last weekend loved it yeah i totally get the hype with it and i actually have seen bits and pieces of the emperor's new school show the one thing i remember the most from this show was when they did the pull the lever bit which was basically their couch gag yeah it was the one where nothing <laughs> happens and then yeezma's like 
Uh, let's go take the stairs. <laughs> so the best lever joke. Pull the lever, crunk. Take the stairs? Hey, why not? Also, Kronk for hire. That's another Phineas and Ferb connection. Oh, yeah, because uh, that song shows up on Phineas and Ferb a whole bunch of times. Yeah, the instrumental in the background of a whole bunch of stuff, including Meep's Goulash, which when you were on a podcast with that cool acronym you talked about. Hey, it's Meep! Meep! Did you bring us something fun to eat? Meep! Meep! Yay! Meep carbonated goulash! That's right, kids. It's new, deliciously carbonated Meep goulash. The goulash with foam. So for the movie itself, while I never saw it in theaters, probably because I was only five, I did see the movie a few times growing up because they would always show it on Disney Channel. And I definitely remember watching The Emperor's New School as a kid. I don't remember any specific episode. I just remember that I watched it. Um, I watched it, you know, both on Disney Channel and also um that one abc block yeah abc kids abc kids that was the one that was like i think the last like disney saturday morning thing i was also on the podcast and we talked about it i love it i just pretty much love anything emperor's new groove related and when that whole resurgence came around like maybe i want to say like the mid 2010s or so i thought that was awesome i wish Disney had done more to capitalize on that because like if you've noticed in recent years there's just been a huge huge resurgence on people who just fucking love this movie like it's almost experiencing like a renaissance in a way and I wish Disney would like do more to capitalize on it besides the occasional merch here and there like you know, more representation in the parks. Re-release it in theaters. They did re-release The Emperor's New Groove in theaters recently. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, because you went to that. Yeah, that's right. Yes, during the pandemic. It was the only movie I went to during a pandemic. And I went there specifically because I knew there was only going to be a handful of people there because they did not advertise it well. At least you were safe when you did it. Yeah. By the way, I do want to go back to my history real quick because I forgot to mention this. I have seen Kronk's New Groove before I did see the original Emperor's New Groove. I can't tell you for the life of me what happened in that movie. I'm very sorry, Micah, but... Eh, honestly, between The Emperor's New School, Kronk's New Groove, and The Emperor's New Groove, The Emperor's New Groove, and The Emperor's New School are the better things to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll get into mostly why The Emperor's New School is the best, but... Of course. And Micah, would you like to go into your history? Um, yeah, I've... Talked about on the podcast, it's a wild story, so I'm going to just do the short version of it. Um, I saw The Emperor's New Groove, the movie, on VHS when I was a kid because they didn't want to take me to see it to theaters because my parents thought it looked dumb and weren't big David Spade fans. I liked it okay, and I would have probably just forgotten about it if the TV show hadn't come out and reminded me that it existed. And later, I thought the TV show was okay, but then I caught reruns of it late at night and really started enjoying it. And that's got me back into the movie, and that's how I became obsessed with the movie. So without The Emperor's New School, I would not be as obsessed with The Emperor's New Groove. It is actually kind of funny, because apparently this show was made because just of how much Emperor's New Groove was doing well in syndication. Yeah, it was doing really well on TV, and it had really good DVD sales. Like, I've noticed there are some movies that just absolutely flopped in theaters... But then their tape sales were, like, ridiculous, and that's pretty much what made the franchise successful. Probably word of mouth from people who saw it in theaters told other people who didn't have a chance to see it in theaters that they should check it out. And so they rented it and then liked it and bought it. I think 
that's how All Dogs Go to Heaven became successful. I remember, I think in theaters, it ended up competing against The Little Mermaid, and uh, yeah, you know how that ends. <laughs> and Labyrinth. I'm not going to parrot a whole lot of Tony's review of the movie because you can just go listen to that. It's a very great episode, by the way, but it's amazing that the movie turned out as well as it did despite its troubled history. It's actually the opposite of the early 2000s Disney story. It's where they were like, okay, let's let the creator do whatever they want because often the reason films like Atlantis and Treasure Planet and also Home on the Range and Chicken Little just... Way too much goddamn executive mongering. Just and even in the savior era of um, John Lasseter, I say savior uh. sarcastically, Bolt had the same issue where John Lasseter was just Mike wrote managing the hell of it to the point that either Chris Sanders got fired or left and I don't remember which. Yeah, I'm gonna get some massive hate for this, but I don't like Bolt. I'm sorry. I never seen it. My opinion's on it. It's, it's okay. It could have been way better. It's not the worst Disney movie. It's just... I just got so bored. Um, Yeah, add that to the list of movies that I knew all about but haven't seen, and I'm probably not going to see. (laughs) Apparently, that was going to be another entirely different movie in and of itself. American Dog. Yeah, American Dog. Good morning, USA. No, wait, that's not American Dog. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which, by the way, shout out to uh, How Did This Not Get Made, who actually put out an episode about that. So I do have actually, like, kind of a legitimate history with an American dog. So, uh, you know those little, like, crappy paper magazines you would get in, like, school? Yeah. It it was, like, mostly educational, but they'd throw, like, some entertainment news in there just to keep your attention. Mm -hmm. Well, one of them had a little timeline talking about future Disney films. Now, keep in mind, this happened in 2005. Either 2005 or 2006, because I remember I was in fifth grade. But, um, they had a timeline of Disney movies, you know... I remember they had, you know, 2010, we are making a Rapunzel movie. Well, guess what was in the 2008 spot? Oh. An American dog. And I remember reading the synopsis and seeing the art and actually being, like, excited for that. Like, I thought it was going to be so cool and then I just forgot about it for years and years and years. And then Bolt came out in 2008 finally. And, you know, I saw the synopsis for Bolt and everything and I was like, That sounds familiar. And then I remembered American Dog, and I was like, what happened? Is that what it turned into? This is nothing like what I saw, and I thought I was, like, Mandela affecting myself for the longest time. Until I finally learned about Lost Media, started browsing the Lost Media wiki, found the American Dog article, and I was like, I was right. (laughs) I was so right. (laughs) Yeah, that is kind of a bummer, but at least they didn't, you know, make an entire movie where they had a joke where they were referencing what the next movies were going to be, where one of the movies was American Dog. That would have been really dumb. I'm so upset about Gigantic. I love that movie, uh, despite it, obviously, especially right now, being very problematic, um, but... That joke just stings, man. (laughs) So the episode we're going to be talking about today, uh, would you like to introduce it, Micah? Alrighty, it's Season 2, Episode 21, Melina's Big Break slash Hotel Cusco, which is no relation to Hotel California. Welcome to the Hotel Cusco Topa. And he's saying such a lovely face to a mirror. (laughs) 
<laughs> so watching this episode compared to Unfit to Print and The Emperor's New Pet. Now, I did really like Unfit to Print and Emperor's New Pet. I felt like it was kind of the turnaround point for the series and kind of the best of the first 10 episodes because a lot of the time the a show's first 10 episodes are going to be kind of weak. That's never really its fault. It's just kind of finding its footing. So that said, I think overall season two definitely really started leaning in. It felt like the creators had way more freedom, basically. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, this first segment has no direct jokes. There's some in the second segment. As far as I can remember, this first segment, and I did just watch it, first segment has no direct jokes that were just repeated from the movie, which is a big complaint people have about the show. Yeah, which I get, even if I do think that at points it's like, well, yeah, it's based on the movie. Of course it's going to have references. (laughs) I was sort of getting more proto Phineas and Ferb vibes more than I was. This is based off of the movie vibes, which isn't a bad thing, of course. Like Kit said, this is really where they're starting to find their footing and finding more things for all the characters to do to expand on them in like really good ways. Like, I love how in the first bit, Kronk is just standing all these teen magazines. <laughs> I just love his uh, friendship with Cusco and Melina. Like, he and Melina surprisingly really bounce off each other really well, too. That's the amazing thing about this episode is a big part of the Embers New Groove and what made it work was the chemistry between the characters. But a huge part of that chemistry came between David Spade's chemistry with John Goodman and Patrick Warburton's chemistry with Eartha Kitt. And neither Eartha Kitt nor John Goodman are in this first segment. So Melina basically has to carry all the chemistry with Cusco and Kronk. We should mention real quickly, too, that it's pretty cool that they brought back most of the cast from the original movie for this. Wasn't Eartha Kitt in a few episodes before? I think she died, actually, um, during production. She died uh, like a month after the last episode aired. So they managed to end, end the show before she died. You know what? I absolutely love that we have not only two movies but also an entire TV show starring Patrick Warburton and Eartha Kitt playing off each other. Yes. (laughs) And it's perfect. I say that everyone should give the show a chance, if nothing else, just for Patrick Warburton and Eartha Kitt. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But anyways, I have some notes here, and it was really difficult for me not to just write in this notebook, I love Melina, over and over again. Aww. (laughs) Well, in all fairness, Melina is a pretty interesting character in that she was made specifically for this series, but she's not, like, a one-note character, because in this, she actually does get stuff to do like she has like this relatable crisis of how is this job interview gonna go down and yeah oh my god like this actually really interesting way like i love the bit with the doodles where she like uh, initially comes up with a pie chart and then she scraps (laughs) that because she says something along the lines of i need a pie chart to show how i organize my time because now i'm spending half my time worrying about the interview a third of my time worrying about what i'm going to wear a quarter of my time worrying what if i blow it and another quarter worrying that i'm worrying too much That's too much pie! That is what it's like to live with ADHD, by the way. Yeah, speaking of Melina, actually, have you noticed how many shows in the 2000s, especially, like, kids' shows, had the person obsessed and in love with person B, and then person B is like, ew, no, stop, but they're still friends? Yeah. (laughs) Melina and Cusco, Freddy and Carly... Tons of cartoons. Sonic Ugh. the Hedgehog. <laughs> yeah, it. let's just say the early aughts were not exactly the most 
I'll give them this much that at least they make it clear that Cusco's kind of an arrogant dick, so that's why he's kind of all flirty. So, and at the end of the day, he never goes too far with it. Like he never forcibly kisses her or anything like that. Oh God, no! I like that he's still at least supportive of her as the episode goes on. Like he's actually cheering her on when it turns out the guy who's interviewing her is going to be late, and he's like, "Oh man, you didn't need him. You got your own thing going on." Cusco is probably one of the best examples I can think of of, like, the lovable asshole trope. Because yeah. he really is just such a fucking dickhead, but you can't help but love him for it. <laughs> I'll obviously mention this a little more later in Hotel Cusco, but it's also the fact that he immediately faces consequences for yes, an asshole thank you. <laughs> like, if they were just casually letting him get away with it, then it wouldn't work, but they actually show it like, okay, it comes back to backfire. Hey, Dan Schneider, this is how you do Always Sunny for kids. <laughs> Also, can I just say that also the animation especially really stepped up in season two? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like, it was really solid for the season one. Like, I was amazed how much they managed to replicate the movie at that. But it feels like this one, it was allowed to be a little more anarchic. It feels like it got a little more fluid. Lots of cartoony uh, movements and lots of great poses. I was keeping an eye out for the animation in this one because I've been watching it casually. I've been trying to see what about the animation what works and what doesn't so this one especially compared to the first season has a lot better animation and more dynamic posing and more cartoony stuff with like smears and stuff if you just decide to frame by frame it yes and you know we were talking about the cast a second ago i do want to say that jp minot i'm sure i'm getting his name wrong but he does a pretty good david spade impression i think he does like sometimes it's a bit too nasally for my liking but it's still good enough i'm gonna go on imdb real quick I want to see what else he's done. Oh, Randy, you know what's funny? He actually, before this, he was the uh, principal and Curtis the Caveman on Phil of the Future. Oh, and that's another thing, too. He was on three episodes of Just Shoot Me, which was David Spade's show. <laughs> yeah. So you had Into the Cusco-verse before Cusco was even a thing. Yeah, I posted a picture on Twitter of them side by side and saying what well, was intended to be read in a cronk voice. Uh, which one do I give the poison to? <laughs> Brilliant. So, I'm on his IMDb, uh, JP Minos. I wanted to see if he was on any episodes of Family Guy because of his David Spade impression being really good. So, I'm looking, and while, yes, he was in Family Guy, it turns out, he only had a single role as someone named Alan Harper in some episode from 2009. <laughs> Remember? when I turned into a lava? Yeah, holy crap, Lois, I'm a lava! Holy crap, Lois, Cusco's here. Are you gonna tell me? Are you gonna destroy my house to build a pool? <laughs> Cusco kicks open Peter's door and it's like, boom, baby! And then Joe Swanson comes in and is like, hey, Peter, who's the new guy? <laughs> oh, God, it's like that episode they recently did where they were like, come on, now that we're owned by Disney, we need Hercules. What? We can't get Hercules? Then who can we get? Launchpad McQuack? No way. <laughs> you can get Kronk. <laughs> yes. The theme music. I don't think, I'd never watched a show on Disney Plus that I thought about skipping the theme music for, and this is no exception. Hey, Mike Love, this is how you do a high school song. <laughs> it's basically a village people homage. Right. 
village boys or the beach people. As Kyle put it when we were talking about it, the theme song, he said, Hey, there he is, my main village people. (laughs) (laughs) So the first episode, Melina's Big Break, is about her trying to get an internship at Ink and Teen Magazine. And I was like, oh my god, it's a futile and stupid gesture, but with Melina. The whole realization of trying to get into a magazine and figuring out, wow, I have to write down all these repetitive articles. I wonder how that's how people at BuzzFeed feel. What's interesting about this episode is that it's more so a couple vignettes that kind of tie this plot together. So it's kind of hard for us to go through a bit-by-bit segment of how it works. I do want to say there's a bit where uh, Melina's showing off her outfit that she's going to be wearing to her interview and, and Kronk shudders. It didn't look that bad. It looked it looked nice on her. Come on, Kronk. Was that the one where she kind of looked like RBG? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was like, that doesn't even remotely look bad. What are you doing, Croc? (laughs) I would not be shocked if it turns out Ruth Bader Ginsburg lived through the Incan period. I mean, it makes her look older, but it's not like she looks ugly or anything. She looks respectable, if anything. Yeah, I guess maybe it's all, oh, you're normally so stylized. It's like, really? Like, wear something a little flashier for an interview with a fashion magazine. Not like a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> also, I'm sure I just mentioned this, but I just love the running gag with Kronk being Kushko's assistant for the day. <laughs> yeah. He just calls it his internship. <laughs> <laughs> just be yourself and you'll get the internship of your dreams. Like the Kronkster did. What internship did you get? Cabana boy! It's no different from the regular Disney college program, so... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but, um... I also love Kronk's running gag of just pulling up random articles from the magazine and, like, the shoe-in line that was actually pretty good. And then also the, let's take the quiz on Boyfriend Blues! Kronk is by confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> he has a cap that's basically a variation on his hat from the movie, but it's, like, you know, has yeah. a bill and everything. I like that. There's the interview scene where it's set up that, like, Kronk is, like, pretending to hire her for an interview. (laughs) He just starts losing his shit. He basically becomes Joe Swanson. (laughs) Tell me about anti-wrinkle creams. I don't know anything about anti-wrinkle creams. You don't know anything about anti-wrinkle creams. It's a teen magazine. Yzma began her regimen at 14, and a hundred years later... She's showing a 5% decrease in wrinkles. Also, Melina predated wig, the meme. Because at one point they're like, thinning hair. I don't have thinning hair. Rips off her hair. Ah! <laughs> and she puts it on backwards. Yeah. <laughs> I swear to God, it reminds me of this one gift. It was some talk show. Some lady was yelling at another lady. And then she just nonchalantly just like yanks her wig off and just tosses it. And she's just sitting there shit-eating grin on her face while everyone's just like, ah! Also, during Melina's short, the point where she's trying to draw a graph and then all of a sudden the final doodle just bursts through. I was like, oh god, they decapitated Oh her. no. <laughs> <laughs> so, when she says ow then, does she actually feel the pain that her drawing feels? Probably. <laughs> Basically, it turns into duck amok and then it's like, ah, shit, all this really happens. Who's doing this? It's like that scene in Full House, the Disney World episode with the cartoon Joey. (laughs) I talked to a cartoon today. That's the one thing. They never explicitly say they're cartoon characters, even though they're super meta and stuff. There is an episode where Kronk is a host of a TV show. And he has a flip book and he flips a cartoon. So there's cartoons within the universe. I assume they're aware now for reasons. Um, but 
I don't know if at the time they were aware that they're cartoon characters. Yeah, I feel like time is just a river in this show. Like, basically anything can happen. <laughs> like, somehow the Incans know about Scotland. They should have dinosaurs, damn it. <laughs> Also, John O'Hurley plays the guy who, turns out, he's the one who's interviewing uh, Melina. I'm sorry, that does not look like a character's design that John O'Hurley's voice should be coming from. Yeah! Yeah! They just wanted to get that guest voice in really bad, and they already had the character design. I don't actually know if that's what happened, but... Also, during the scene where they're like, at the mountaintop, when Cusco's teaching her how to relax, I was just like, I'm ugly and I'm proud! I'm ugly and I'm proud! joke there admittedly is pretty obvious he says just repeat to yourself i rule it all and she tells i rule it all and then he goes you do know it's really me that rules it all right (laughs) i wouldn't expect any less (laughs) also i gotta say i love the gag where it appears that after melina scares the interviewer off it looks like she's like homeless for a second and then it zooms out she's in her room and there's just like a backdrop with all those props I laugh so hard at that. Oh my god. (laughs) That's the average room of an Instagram influencer pretending to feed the homeless for likes. (laughs) This show just does such a great job of elaborating on the wacky humor of the movie. And I feel like this show paved a big role into getting stuff like Phineas and Ferb, Milo Murphy's Law, all those like comedy heavy shows just back into the main frame the llama incident <laughs> i wonder what the emperor's new school would be like if it was made now like after Ducktales and gravity falls would it be like really allowed to be as meta as possible i want an incontinuity reboot which how would they do it just completely get rid of the school part altogether and just have it be these same characters later fuck it emperor's new babies yes <laughs> It would probably just be the Emperor's new grad school, which, knowing how that plays out in real life, they'd be stuck there forever. Oh, like, yeah. Goose is like, now I have to go to college. Oh, no, wackity dackity shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta also say that the whole struggle to get an internship that actually fits is a hard fucking mood as a communications graduate, because... It was hard for me to be able to find a newspaper that was accepting internships. I eventually did, and then it turns out that's all they want now, so I can't even now that I'm graduated from college. Oh, oh you'll get it someday. Oh, Got thanks. this. I relate heavy to this episode, too, but there's a few gags. I don't know. Should I talk about the gags, or would that ruin them for people who might want to watch this? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> when Cusco's meditating the first time, he says, me. <laughs> There's a scene where Melina's organizing her sock drawers, and 95 or more percent of the time, all of these characters are wearing sandals. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few times where characters will wear boots, but, like, compared to the amount of socks that are in that sock drawer... <laughs> the Incas made socks and sandals cool again. This was how they brought in Sockhead from Freaked. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything else you guys want to talk about uh, with Melina's big break? Uh, I love Melina. Um, <laughs> That's a good point, by the way. Why do you like Melina so much? She's smart. She's not perfect. She's not a Mary Sue that some people seem to have claimed she was. Those people are wrong. I feel like Mary Sue is an outdated term considering the guy who coined that term was not a good guy wasn't it based on like a fanfic someone wrote or something yeah but then max landis turned it into something else it turned into female character i don't like basically how is max landis only the second worst thing john landis has ever done Ah. (laughs) 
So, we should probably get back to talking about more positive things. What's great is she's the only sane person, but also she's not without her own manic moments. So she really plays off the other characters well. Frankly, she deserves her own movie, and I don't know why she doesn't have one. I mentioned this in our Unfit to Print episode as well. What I like about her is that she serves as a comic foil, but she's also way different from, say, Pacha. She's not just there to kind of be the straight man. She's also allowed to be kind of a manic character in her own right. That's what I'm always so grateful for when they do female characters who are allowed to be just as anarchic as their male counterparts, like in Great Muppet Caper with Kermit and Piggy. Like, they don't just make Melina either too serious and oh I rolly it's a good balance basically and a friendly reminder we fucking love the great Muppet caper yes <laughs> I, I just have to say it every time we bring it up I fucking love it happiness hotel Cusco <laughs> the emperor's new groove and the Muppets would be the perfect combination I just had to say it it really yes. would I'm gonna say this right now just because I can Fozzie as Kronk. Yes! Yes! <laughs> he is perfect for it. Oh my god. I mean, they're both himbos. Think about it. Yes! I want to see like a legitimate crossover because I think it's both the last thing people would expect to see and it also makes perfect sense. I'm not going to lie. Miss Piggy and Yzma have very similar energies. I think she would make a great Yzma. Yes. Pull the lever. Rogue lever! I don't know. I had a weird dream where I wrote a crossover of the Muppets, and at one point, Beaker and Bunsen end up in Yzma's secret lab, and for some reason, this made me laugh a whole lot. Bunsen sees a Beaker and says, Hey, look, Beaker, it's your namesake. (laughs) (laughs) So, Hotel Cusco. I want to talk about this because there's something I realized when I watched it today. This was a really interesting one. I love how it just kicks off right off the bat with Cusco just not giving a shit like he's already just hanging out in the pool loving his life yes that's what i wanted to bring up so Cusco in the palace he has a pool with a water slide are we to assume he always had that and he still wanted to destroy pacha's village to build another pool with a water slide to be fair water parks usually have a lot more to offer than an indoor pool there are awesome indoor water parks don't get me wrong outdoor just has more to offer you're probably less likely to get a disease at an outdoor water park and i guess you can kind of argue that there's a little bit of destruction of the relationship between Cusco and pacha in this but It's a cartoon. They go back to the status quo in the next episode. Also, my favorite line in the whole episode, they ate a child? (laughs) (laughs) For context, Cusco lies about there being termites in Pacha's house. So he goes through this whole bit about how the termites ate everything, including one of Pacha's kids. He makes him sign this thing, which obviously he doesn't read, that says Cusco will be going back in the palace because termites are a threat to his safety. And when he signs it, the signature says termite guy on it. (laughs) (laughs) And then because of the termite infestation, all the other people in the land have to start coming to the palace and it basically turns into the mist (laughs) where they're all just crowded. I love the tour of his castle. He just has like these very specific rooms for very specific things. Why does Cusco have so many my pillows that he needs a room for them? Um, no, not He my does pillow. say they're money no. stuff pillows. <laughs> also, he has this giant freaking sculpture on the side yeah, of the kind palace. Yeah, that's that... kind of a callback to the movie in a way where water gushes out his nose. Yay, nose view! And you can hear like a toilet flushes, so I'm just like, please tell me that water is clean. <laughs> 
But I think what we should really talk about this episode, because they aren't in the previous segment, is Yzma and Kronk. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just going to bring up the bit where uh, they kind of do a variation of the lever, except I forget what they do exactly. It's like a nose, a statue of Kuso's face, and they pick his nose. Where Kronk keeps sticking his finger up the nose, and then it just keeps flipping them back and forth. <laughs> hall, lab, hall, lab, hall, lab. <laughs> life, death, life, death, life, death, Patrick! Warburton. <laughs> um, so then they set up like this whole plan where they're finally going to crush Cusco by whenever he looks in a mirror, it's going to set off a trap. And they literally want to crush him. <laughs> I thought the plan was to prevent him from graduating Cusco Academy. This was in case that plan didn't work out. Well, it kind of comes off like you don't have confidence in your original plan. Never mind that. I might be misremembering here, but wasn't there supposed to be like a plot where Yzma was a fake principal? Yeah, that's the plot. And when she's in the school, yeah. This is also an episode that the school is not in once. Well, it does make a cameo technically at the end, which we'll get to. And then also, can I just say that whole palace filled with all those people? Imagine that, but during COVID. Oh, oh, this was clearly pre-pandemic. That would be my nightmare, just having to be stuck in this one place filled with the brim with a bunch of people that I don't know. I don't know if this ever went anywhere, but do you remember them talking about how they were testing the blood of llamas to see if it could... Oh. You think they would just turn Cusco into a llama and just... Would that work? Would his blood change? <laughs> they just turn everybody into llamas and then, there you go, no more COVID, the end. <laughs> yeah. Llama experiments. Didn't we get syphilis from llamas? Ah! Or at least Christopher Columbus did. Didn't Christopher Columbus kill a bunch of people? Yeah, and he got syphilis from a llama, apparently. That's disputed, but... So, yeah, this was also the return of John Goodman, wasn't it? Like, the season where he came back. Yes. The personification of a bear hug himself, John fucking Goodman. The king. This isn't the first episode, because the first episode of a second season is when he comes back, but it's so good to hear him after going through all these episodes of the first season with Fred Tattershore. No offense to the guy. Uh, he just yeah. is not the same. Like, John Goodman is just, just similar to Patrick Warburton. You hear his voice and you're like, home, home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in all fairness, John Goodman and Wendy Malick do get a lot of good lines in this episode, I think. Also, Chica is underrated as hell. I love her. Yes. yes. Oh my god, she is. Oh, uh, could I mention one quick thing about Chica in the movie that I want to... Um, you can cut this out. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Um, one thing I really love is that they don't make her, like, be captured by Yzma or whatever and just reduce it to a lazy boring. Instead, they have her just kick her out and have a fun yes. way of defeating her. That was amazing. <laughs> they basically <laughs> defeat Yzma through home alone antics, and it's so great. That's what I think would happen in this universe if the Conquestadors ever showed up. They'd just be home alone. And Chica was the first depiction of a pregnant pregnant woman in a Disney film. Yes! Oh yeah. And she didn't stay pregnant forever, so good on them for that. Huzzah! Yeah, Bonnie Swanson. <laughs> I'm just saying, guys. Pacha fucks. <laughs> I would hope so. I think part of the reason Yzma just works as, like, probably one of the funniest Disney villains of all time is just how pretty much incompetent she is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She really was not that much of a threat. She's like Dr. Eggman. She's probably one of the least competent villains. Who thinks they're way smarter than they actually are. So they think they're this brilliant evil genius. And those are like my favorite types of villains. The ones who are just absolute dumbasses. She demonstrates her plan with a Cusco doll. She places the doll in front of the mirror and Kronk and Yuma just stare at it for a while. And then Kronk says, what is he supposed to do? Starve to death? <laughs> 
And then when the traps start not working, he says, maybe he needs to be smaller. Like the doll. <laughs> also, I forgot that Ben Stein was on this show, too, as one of the professors. Mr. Perutu, the school guidance counselor who's obsessed. I'd assume if, if he's on the spectrum, his uh, hyperfixation is wind chimes. So far, that is the third voice on this show that you just hear and you instantly recognize. Yeah, but Ben Stein is known for not being that good a guy in real life, I don't think. But I will say this. He is pretty damn good at being boring. There's an episode of the show where he goes, Cusco, Cusco, Cusco. They gotta get then that Ferris Bueller reference. So Melina ends up setting up like a map, basically to say, okay, so we need to start setting up where everybody's gonna go. And then when Cusco reaches down, I'll sleep in the bear room. And then the little bear trap pops up. That was weird. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a bit about them wanting to put the baby in the gold room, which I don't think that's like a good idea because the baby would just slobber all over it and the goal would just become worthless. No hate on babies. If there's any infants listening to this podcast, no hate. So Cusco canonically ate drywall. <laughs> or wood, I guess. As one does. Cusco canonically suffers from pica. <laughs> And then going back to my earlier point about how Cusco almost always faces consequences immediately after he does something assholish, this especially, like, everybody is, especially when Gotcha is like, get him! And it's like, sorry, Cusco, you kind of did screw us all over. Yeah, that character is um, basically Cusco's biggest fanboy. So he's basically Incrediboy. Oh, great. Now he's going to get sucked into an air vacuum. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we should mention that uh, Yizma and Kronk are the ones that y'all get him. Yeah, they want to start an angry mob because Kronk goes, looks like your plan failed. Again. Ah, fuck it. We gotta end the episode somehow. I love how Kronk is, like, the sweetest guy, but he will not hold back from being a snarky guy. You see, my only problem with this episode is the ending because it kind of just ends sort of abruptly, I think. Like, it ends with Cusco getting thrown, like, across the town, and he lands in Pacha's house in his bed, and he's like, home sweet home, and then the episode ends. They're still gonna find out where you are, and they're still gonna kick your fucking ass, dude. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> He'll just bounce right back afterwards because he's a cartoon character. <laughs> I mean, once again, status quo is God. I shouldn't think about that too much. Also, I got a huge laugh out of the end credits gag where he's like, oh, let's take a look what's in this room and in the Disney Channel logo. <laughs> what I love about that is there's a scene in that in the, where he says, and this is the editing room. And right as he says that, the credit shows the names of the editors of the episode. Oh, oh my god, that's so cool. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to that stuff before, so I never noticed it until this time. One other little detail I want to quickly mention is one thing I also really love about the animation of both the movie and the show is just how really stylized and shaped it is. It's especially got a lot of obvious Incan and Peruvian influence, and it really shows, especially with the little blocky types, it really works. Yeah, it's got a great design, and I feel like the TV show design is modified to it's not like the Little Mermaid series where it's basically just them trying to replicate the movie exactly and they don't have yeah. the budget to. They kind of sort of do it in the beginning, but then they realize that the show needs its own footing. And once again, they do a good job of capturing the spirit of the movie Absolutely. and translating it into its own like further adventure. Not a lot of spin-off shows really do that, I don't think. A lot of and some people complain, oh, Cusco's a dick again. I feel like he was a dick at the end of the movie. Yeah, there's not really a way to make a, something with Cusco in it and not have him be a dick because then he wouldn't be Cusco. If, if you took away him being a dick, 
he wouldn't be as fun a character anymore. You want the character to go on a journey, but you still want them to be the same character. <laughs> and then one thing that just hit me is that I didn't hate season one of the show from what I've seen. It is pretty solid for what it is, but you can kind of tell... Oh my god, it's kind of what Emperor's New Groove would have been if way more executive muddling had been in it. And It feels like the executives also saw the movie and kept saying, put this in, put this in, put this in, from the movie, too. Yeah, without actually knowing what works, it's like... Which is funny, because there are, some of those running gags from the movie are in this specific segment, but I feel like they're not as forced. It's actually a chance to really build the world that they have and really a chance to, yeah, basically, it's our world. <laughs> and we're all living in it. I just want to list some of the rooms. He had an elbow room, which has had like a pipe, an elbow pipe in it. He has the workout room too that he never uses. His blue room, not to be confused with his exercise room, which is also blue. <laughs> the ball room, which is just a room with a whole bunch of balls in it. <laughs> I am... You know what? No, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> if you're a big fan of puns, this segment might be for you. This show is for you if you love puns. This is a bit dark, but when he said Blue Room, I was so afraid that the next one he was going to say was Red Room. <laughs> like, that would be way before the whole deep web scariness really went into the public eye, but... No, wait. One of the rooms should have been the room, and then Tommy Wiseau just in there. <laughs> what a story, Cusco. One thing we forgot to mention is that Cusco just has a never-ending supply of mugs with his likeness. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, those would probably be a bitch to drink out of because it has all his facial features. So I'd be like, ah, my drink keeps getting stuck in his nose. Well, Kit, it would probably just leak out of his nose. <laughs> I want to drink out of Cusco's skull, damn it. Just like build an Emperor's New Groove ride, have it be set in the palace with the palace facade, have the palace gift shop be the exit and sell those. Yes. Oh, one last note. Why the hell wasn't Al on this show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I've ranted about this before on Twitter. He would have played weird alpaca. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's perfect. So this kind of ties into our last topic, but imagine a crossover between the Red Queen from Adventures in Wonderland and Cusco. Yes. Randy yes. was talking about that sort of on Yeah, that's right. It's, it's kind of like the handshake meme of monarchs we should absolutely hate, but we don't because they're just too fucking great. The Red Queen is like just a more appealing, lovable version of Kim Jong-un. Exactly. <laughs> and we still love her. Rest in power, Amelia McQueen. We love you. What they need to do is reboot House of Mouse, but have it so that everything is on the table. Doesn't have to just be animated features. Yes. And that could be a possibility. <laughs> One last thing I wanted to mention. I noticed that this episode was directed by Tony Craig, and he directed almost every episode of House of Mouse. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Cusco has been in House of Mouse. Um, that might yes. be why this episode was so good. Uh, played by J.P. Manu. J.P. Manu has been voicing Cusco almost as long as David Spade has. In, like, the video game. Oh, wow. I, I didn't know Yeah, that. he's been... And pe big people complained about it when he came on. And it was like, I think from the beginning they wanted someone else. I think yeah. it depends on the episode, honestly, <laughs> and the direction. I think they wanted to avoid a Robin Williams situation. So they just immediately cast someone. So David Spade is in The Emperor's New Groove and Croc's New Groove, and that's it. And everything else is this guy. I just realized, speaking of Robin Williams... That is someone who would have been awesome in this show, too. Yeah! Oh, yeah. Imagine an oh. over. That would be weird. <laughs> but it could happen because the genie exists and he could just send them across 
or they could just, I don't know what the timelines for these things, but it doesn't really matter. Hercules had a crossover with Vlad, and those are like thousands of years apart. Well, I mean, if we can connect Tangled, Frozen, The Little Mermaid, and Tarzan. And now the Emperor's New Groove for some people, if you want to buy into the theory that Cusco is related to all of them too, because his dad was lost at sea, and also... Uh, voiced by Marisa Marsh. So why don't we throw the genie in there, since he can travel to any period of time he wants? Like that theory that Aladdin actually takes place in the future. <laughs> I'm telling you, if Lilo and Stitch the series, it was still running, but it was at the end of its run, if it was still, like, in the middle, while the Ember's New School was on, there would have been a crossover. Absolutely. Yes, they would have uh, found a way. My favorite thing about all the Lilo and Stitch crossovers is the very jarring differences in art style. Yeah, and this would be no exception. We gotta talk about one of those someday because goddamn, those were weird. Yeah, and can you imagine like Jumba interacting with Yzma? Oh my god, they yes. would argue over who's the better scientist by a mile. <laughs> all right, it's time to ask that everlasting question that probably has an obvious answer when it comes to this topic. Keep the tapes or burn the tapes? Tyler. I'm going to say keep the tapes. This episode was a whole lot of fun. While I did like the first segment, I really, really loved the second segment a lot more because it was just really zany and madcap. And once again, it just captured the spirit of the movie perfectly. And going by... What I've seen of the show and listening to Micah's podcast. Thank you. I need to check more of this show out. Anytime, man. Hard second on all that, especially, yeah, given Micah's podcast, listening to his episodes and analysis on it, kind of growing another new appreciation for the show. So thanks for that, man. So yeah, I'm definitely going to say keep the tape. Some, it's a pretty solid show overall. I'd say season two is really where it found its footing. I don't know if it's quite my favorite DTA show, but it's still a really, really solid episode and i'd say one of the best shows based on a movie i'm definitely gonna say keep the tapes i just fucking love everything related to this franchise especially this show it's just as funny as the movie minot does a spot-on impression of james spade they got like so much of the original cast back too even the new characters they introduced are great just all around just keep all the tapes. And Micah, we know what your answer is going to be, so you can just say it. Mm, let me think. Keep the tapes! Unpredicted! <laughs> <laughs> I could have sworn you were going to say burn them, but that too. <laughs> Sadly, though, this episode did not have enough coos clean, so I'm taking back my rating. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Zero out of ten, we didn't get to see homework in this one. Zero out of ten, they did not pull the lever. Burn all the tapes except for the one with homework on it, because homework is a good boy. Yay! There's another episode where Cusco adopts a chinchilla. Oh! All right, Micah, do you have anything to plug? Again, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. For those of you who don't know, if I'm allowed to reveal behind the scenes, uh, this has been like a year in the making. Uh (laughs) Roughly about, like... Well, no, we started the podcast in August, like a month after it came out, you came to us and said, hey, let's do this episode. I said, if you ever want to do an episode on The Emperor's New School, I would love to be on. I definitely want to be on the show at some point, I think. Oh, one other thing we should also thank Micah for, for his animations for our podcast. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks so much, man. A YouTube channel called Fire Blast Studios, where I have the series I started out with, The Molly and Pippin Show, and my most recent series, Podcast United, where you can find excerpts from this podcast, Escape from Vault Disney, Podcast Without a Cool Acronym, and Kyle and Luke Talk About Tunes, and maybe in the future some others. And I have my own podcast where I talk all about the Ember's New Groove, and it's everything in the franchise. Um, 
the Emperor's New Podcast, as we established before. Uh, Randy and Kit have been on in one episode. Kit has been on another separate episode about the sweat box. Hell yeah. I'll be on it in the future, I'm sure. Um, I yes, want and to someday I want to do a theme park, an episode about what there has been and what we would like to see in the theme parks with some special guests, if I can yes. make timing work. I don't want to make anything official yet. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, no worries, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, you can find me over on Mission Breakout on Discord and Twitter. You can find me on A Walking Pun on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Cosmic Rewind on Twitter. Replace the E with a three. You can find me on, obviously, this podcast and a few select episodes of Escape from Vault Disney and on an episode of The Emperor's New Podcast. As for me, you can find me on the usual spots, TylerFG on Twitter, TylerFG96 on Instagram. As for the show, you can find us on channel underscore KRT on Twitter, channel KRT podcast, all one word on Instagram. We also have our Discord server and our Facebook page. And if you want to help us out, just be sure to like and subscribe on wherever you get this podcast or our YouTube channel. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Just give us five stars. Anything you can do to help us get noticed by the algorithm. And you can also support us on our Patreon at patreon.com slash channel KRT, where you'll be able to get channel KRT episodes one day early before they officially hit all the podcast streaming services, as well as exclusive bonus minisodes. And special thanks to Gomer, who pledged at the $10 level. Yeah, thanks so much man now give us money no i'm kidding <laughs> and shout out to micah too who also is a member of our lovely patreon yeah thanks so thank much thank you man. so much no yeah we can't thank you enough i was wondering if i should bring that up but i didn't want to <laughs> intrude on oh, no 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 it's all good <laughs> yeah if you guys are listening to this definitely pledge to Micah. fireblast studios on patreon his cartoons are great and we're not just saying that just because we've been tunified his his animations are great All right, and with that all said, Channel KRT, cut to static.